You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Christ Walk Church, what is up? Man, it is so good to be back in the house with everyone this week. We had an awesome time um, traveling over Thanksgiving and spending some time with family, and we missed being here with all of you last Sunday, and it is, um, I've been chomping at the bit to get back and to just be with you. I don't like to be gone and um, like to be around the Lord's people and like to be in God's house and just celebrate together, so I'm excited about um, Christmas. I'm excited about this holiday season and everything that we have coming up here, uh, everything that God is doing in and through our church. It's going to be a great time. And so I'm looking forward to leaning in with you over the coming weeks as we turn our eyes to Christmas. Uh, before we get into um, the, the message and the series for today. I want to make you aware of something that's coming up on December 19th. That's a few Sundays from now. Um, on December 19th, we're going to uh, give you an opportunity to participate in our end of year Heart for the House offering. And all of those proceeds taken up on that day that are going to go toward Heart for the House Um, and and be given in that offering on December 19th as we close out the year, Um, they're going to go toward being seed money for our Kingdom Builders Initiative for 2022. And in case you're unaware, Kingdom Builders um, is an initiative that uh, we, we fund strategic people, places, projects, and partnerships both locally, domestically, and then also globally. Um, In the past two years, since we launched Kingdom Builders here at Christ Walk Church, in the past two years, we have invested just under $103,000 into kingdom building efforts. That's you guys. One of our partners I'd like to highlight here this morning, um, I'm really excited about, um, it's the Association of Related Churches, or perhaps you know them as ARC. This was not an ARC church plant, but we are part of the ARC family. And the ARC, or the Association of Related Churches, they are an organization that exists to plant life-giving churches in communities all over the country, and then they've even expanded into some other parts of the world. In uh, this calendar year, they have launched 64 brand new churches with over 15,000 people in launch day attendance and over 500 salvations. Up to this point, ARC has helped to plant 994 different churches over the past 20 years. And this coming January, they will have planted their 1,000th church. And they're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate big time when that happens. Um, As we speak, 78 different couples are training and preparing to launch a church of their own in the coming year, in 2022. And so when you support Kingdom Builders, you get to be a part of that, not only by giving in the heart of the house offering coming up on December 19th, but also 
uh, you can pledge to become an ongoing kingdom builder for the calendar year of 2022 and give a monthly pledge, as I know many of you are already doing. Sarah and I do that as well. Or you can even give a one-time financial gift during that year. And so for more information on what Kingdom Builders is all about, uh, some of the projects and partnerships, people and places that we sponsor or that we are a part of. And I'll be talking about more of those um, over the coming weeks leading up to this opportunity to give and the Heart for the House offering. But you can find all the information about that um, on our website at thechristwalk.com forward slash give or simply just go to the website thechristwalk.com, click on the give tab, and then you'll see there uh, more information where you can click through to find out about Kingdom builders. And I want you to know that no matter how large or how small your gift may be, each of those gifts goes to help make a difference in the kingdom in our own backyard and extending out to literally around the globe. And so I'm not here today. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not, nor am I ever going to ask you for money. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am going to ask you to do is to prayerfully consider how God would have you to be a part of this Heart for the House end of your offering and how God would have you to respond to being a kingdom builder that's over and above your tithes. And then whatever he tells you to do, do that. If he tells you to give, give and give cheerfully and generously. If he tells you not to, don't you dare put a dollar in. So, we're going to partner together, and we're going to believe God to continue what he's already started. And in this coming year, we're going to add to that $102,964 that we've already invested, and we're going to believe God for even more. Amen? Amen. Can we just celebrate together what God has already done and what he's going to continue to do? All right, that's coming up on December 19th. Enough about that. If you got your Bibles, you got a smart device, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me? We're going to be in the New Testament uh, this morning uh, in one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. We've got the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels. Gospel means good news. And the reason those four books in particular are such good news is because they tell of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to be in the third Gospel, Luke, and we're going to find ourselves in chapter 21 here in just a moment. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series called Advent, where over the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring the themes of hope, faith, joy, and peace that often find themselves at the forefront of the holiday season. And perhaps some of you are even familiar with uh, the Advent wreath like we have here to my right, and maybe you've used one as a part of your Christmas celebration in your home, or maybe you've even been a part of a church previously that has used an Advent wreath during this season. And while it's certainly not a new device in the realm of Christian tradition, this Advent wreath is brand new to Christ Walk Church. Um, this is the first year that we have had it, and um, it's something that's, that's typically found in churches practicing a much more liturgical or ritualistic um, expression of worship than is our specific tradition. But I, however, uh, especially here of late, 
have found um, a great deal of value in including the Advent wreath as a part of my own uh, Christmas celebration and with my family uh, in, in the practice that, that we have personally in our home. Um, and I'm excited about the addition of this, uh, this Advent wreath and its inclusion in our worship and celebration here at Christ Walk Church over the coming season, and also to use it as the backdrop of this series that we're going to be in over the next four weeks. And so with that said, today I'm going to light the first candle of the Advent wreath. This is the candle of hope. It's also known to many as the prophet's candle. It's purple, representing royalty, repentance, and fasting. And this candle itself represents, uh, like I said, hope, and it directs us, um, directs our attention to the prophets of the Old Testament, like Isaiah, who waited in hope for the Messiah's arrival. And, and it's here on this theme of hope that I, I want us to spend the remainder of our time today taking a look at this theme of hope that is evident in the Advent season. And so as we jump in, uh, talking about the term Advent, maybe that's a new concept for some people. Advent uh, defined is a coming into place view or being. It's an arrival. It's the beginning of something New. And so as we talk about Advent, obviously in this season, we, we think of the, the, the coming into place of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as the Christ child, the arrival of Jesus on the scene, the beginning anew of, of the redemption of humanity from their sin as was prophesied in the Old Testament. And so, so Advent, uh, uh, today we, we find ourselves living in, in the tension between really two Advents. The, the Advent that we're talking about today that, that was celebrated when, or that was initiated when Jesus Christ came on the scene and, and the Advent that we await for when he is going to make his return. And so, so Advent in and of itself the season that comes along with it, it's, it's an invitation to all of us, to you and to me, to wait. It's really what it is. It's an invitation to wait. And, and here's what I've discovered about waiting. We don't like it. Waiting is not something that many of us typically do very well, yet our life, if you think about it, it is chock full of waiting. How many of you are married and have ever had to wait on your spouse? I mean, not me, but I'm sure that there are some here that have had to wait on your wife to get ready so you can finally go to wherever it is that you're going. Or maybe if your parents, you've had to wait on your kids to find their shoes or their backpack or their lunchbox or their shirt or their head so that you can, some of y'all get that on the drive home, um, so that you can get them in the car and get them to school. We, we find ourselves waiting on the way to work in bumper-to-bumper traffic. If everyone would just get out of my way, I could get to where I'm going 
and then they could do what they're doing. We, we wait for the clock to strike 5 p.m. on a Friday so that the weekend can finally begin. We, we wait for the paycheck to clear the bank account so we can finally make that purchase. We wait in line at the DMV so we can renew our driver's license. Sorry to put that thought in everyone's head this morning. Maybe we wait in line for the bathroom or for the concession stand, or we're waiting for the release of the next big Marvel movie or the next big Star Wars series. Or when we go to a restaurant, typically the first question that we ask when we walk in is, how long is the wait? Even on vacation, like at Walt Disney World, we wait in line to spend a bunch of money to wait in more lines and spend even more money. Even at Christmas, we wait for the morning of December 5th to roll around so we can finally open the presents. And it feels like that wait just drags on and on and on. Life is full of waiting. And as the great theologian who was born just a stone's throw from here in Gainesville, Florida, Thomas Earl Petty once said, <laughs> the waiting is the hardest part. But yet that's what Advent demands of us, to simply wait. And, and, and though we don't like it, you and I, we choose to endure the wait because of the promise of what is at the front of the line. And that is, that's hope. That's the theme of what we're talking about it today. And, and in fact, biblical hope was directly connected to, is directly linked to this idea of, of waiting. In, in the Old Testament, there are two primary words that were used for hope. And the first one of these is yakal. And it's, it's one of those words where you have to like hakalugi in the back of your throat. It's yakal. And, and it means to wait for. Or, and, and, and for your call, you, you think of like the, the passage of time. And, and it's the word that was used when, when Noah was waiting for the waters to recede after the flood. And, and we, we see Yachal in the, the form of hope in, in Psalm 130 verses 5 through 8. It says, I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. I have put my yachal, my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. Oh, Israel, hope or yachal in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. It is this hope that is placed in the passage of time and that which is yet to come, but will hopefully soon be realized. Outside of yachal, the second primary word for hope in the Old Testament is kavah, kavah, and it means to wait with intense expectation, to wait with intense expectation, and, and, and this likens itself to, to that feeling you get when you stretch a bungee cord to its maximum limit, and it's just about to snap, and that feeling that you get, like, am I getting ready to lose an eyeball? that tension that is created at that moment. We experience this in Isaiah chapter 8, 
where he says, I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my kavah, my hope, in him. And then we, we fast forward to the New Testament and, and we find ourselves experiencing a, a primary word for hope in the New Testament. And it's the Greek word, elpis. Whereas Yachal and Kavah were Hebrew, in the, in the New Testament, we get El Peace. And, and El Peace is it's the expectation of good that is embodied by the author or foundation of hope itself. See, in, in the Old Testament, it was, it was the, the passage of time or it was the tension of expectation. But in the New Testament, hope is now personified in the person of Jesus. They, they recognize, the, the, the people of Israel recognize that when Jesus came on the scene, that, that he was in fact their, their living hope. And that's the, the El Peace that is often talked about. And, and in fact, in, in uh Peter's first letter in chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, he talks about this. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, or some translations would say we have this living hope, this El Peace. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. There it is. The El Peace, the living hope. It is the salvation of Jesus Christ, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. We sing that song quite often here. Jesus Christ, my living hope. When you sing that, you are proclaiming the El Peace of the New Testament, the hope that the people had in the person of Jesus Christ, who was hope personified. And this idea of hope, it, it harkens back to the time of the prophet Isaiah who, who prophesied of the coming Messiah, a very well-known passage at this time of year in particular. Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7, which says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. It is a not yet, but it is coming. This is the hope that was presented to the nation of Israel through the prophet of Isaiah. And we, we fast forward to the New Testament, to Luke chapter 2. There, after the announcement of the birth of Jesus, that chapter continues on, and, and we, we run into a man by the name of Simeon. In verses 25 through 32, it says, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. 
He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people, Israel. The prophecy all the way back in Isaiah was a hope for something yet to come. And then what Simeon saw with his own eyes in the Christ child at the temple that day was hope fulfilled. And today, you and I, we are invited into the waiting room of Advent to look back to the birth and to the death and to the the resurrection of Jesus so that we can be filled with the hope that comes along with anticipating his return. And so for the next few minutes this morning, I want to talk to you about three keys to finding hope in a waiting season. Three keys to finding hope in a waiting season. And you've turned to Luke chapter 21, and we're going to pick up there beginning with verse 25 and read together. These are the words of Jesus, beginning in verse 25 of Luke 21. He says, and there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Skipping down to verse 29, then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. And in the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. The first key to finding hope in the midst of a waiting season, if you're taking notes, write this down, is to simply take note. Take note. We're gonna take note. And, and at, at first glance, when, when we read these, uh, the, the words of Jesus here in this passage, it may not seem like these words offer much to us in the way of hope. In fact, they're a little bit disturbing. Yet that, that was their intent, though, when they came out of Jesus' mouth. He, he was pointing them to this idea of, of hope and, and the hope that was yet to come, the hope of, of things yet to come. And, and these words that Jesus spoke, they, they speak to the common experience of, of fear or hopelessness that each one of us is prone to feel, perhaps mostly even in the Advent season. And, and as Jesus points us to the end times here. Ultimately, what he is saying is that that the great sign of the end is going to be his return. That in and through Jesus, the fullness of God's glory and his power will be on display and will be revealed to the earth. And that that while this may bring about fear and, and, and trembling and consternation for those that are unprepared, it will not be that way for those of us who believe, those of us who have placed our hope and our trust in the person of Jesus Christ, those who are watching as they wait. 
Because the the truth of what Jesus is saying here and and what you and I are no doubt experiencing, some of us personally or or many of us just corporately in the world that we live in and what we're seeing take place is that, that the truth of the matter is that it's going to get worse before it gets better. How many of you know that, that that's typically how things go, that, that a lot of times they get worse before they ever get better? And, and that is the way that we are seeing our world in. And many of us, that's the way that we're seeing our lives go, that, that things are going to get much worse before they get better. How's that for some hope in the waiting room of Advent this morning? But see, hope in this case, it's, it's so much more than just a positive outlook toward one circumstance or situation. It's instead, it, it's a certainty that God is at work in spite of the situation. He's at work in spite of the circumstance that even though we can't see him at work, even though things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse, that God is still moving. He is still at work and he is still in control. I love this quote from Adam Ramsey. He says, Advent is a way of reminding us that we are pilgrims passing through, that the brokenness of this world isn't how it's always going to be, that the true king is indeed coming soon. That is the hope that we have in Advent. That is the hope that Jesus is calling you and I to take note of this morning. Number two, the second key to finding hope in the midst of a waiting season. First, we take note. Second, we watch out. We watch out. Jesus continues in Luke 21, starting with verse 34. He says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. He says, keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the son of man. Jesus is is putting us on notice. He's saying there's there's some things you need to look out for. There's some things you need to be aware of in the midst of all of this as as time draws near to an end. And and, and two of the things that he points out is is drunkenness or carousing. And, And drunkenness is that which dulls the senses. That when we are drunk, we are no longer able to to feel or to experience or to to function or operate in the way in which we we would be otherwise. And then carousing, and perhaps in your translation, uh, some translations uses the word dissipation. That is actually the, the hangover that is associated with drunkenness. And, and I found that in the difficulty of the waiting season, as, as you and I, as, as we walk through the waiting season, there is a temptation to give oneself over to the demands of the world or to seek respite and escape from the tension of one's current circumstances by indulging in all of its desires that, man, I've had a really tough day and so I need to find myself in this bottle of wine and one bottle turns into three 
or man, it's just not been going well, so I got to go for some retail therapy. You know what I'm talking about? Like you got to go and just swipe that plastic and so you can get some things to make yourself feel better. It's, it's those kinds of things that the Lord is talking about. And, and what, what he's saying is, is here is that, that possessions and power and popularity and pleasures of every kind, those are the things that we need to look out for because those are the things that are going to shift our focus in the midst of a waiting season all of what he's, he's wanting it to be on. It's, it's like, like when you're driving down the highway and they have those rumble strips in the emergency lane. You know what I'm talking about? And you get too far over the, over the line and, and you know, the car starts to shake and it sounds like things are falling apart and everything. That, that's to let you know, hey, you're, you're getting off course. You're, you're getting things out of a line. If, if, if you're not careful, you're going to have a wreck. It's, it's, it's going to turn out really bad. So you need to get things back going on the straight and, and get things back in the lane where they are supposed to go. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's putting some rumble strips, some guardrails, some guidelines in place. And he's saying, be careful about this stuff because these are the things that are going to try to get you off track in the midst of the waiting season where I'm trying to do something in your life. And I'm trying to bring about something in your life. And, and, and the enemy is going to come along and he's going to try to pull you to the left or to the right. And you need to, you need to uh, uh, pay attention to what's going on so that you don't get off track and, and fall into this this thing that the world has to offer instead of what I am trying to produce in and through your life. And Peter writes about this in, in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says this, he says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil is bad news and the things that he has for you they may feel good in the moment. They may allow you to escape the tension of the waiting season for a moment, but they are uh, designed to devour you. Therefore, your destruction and your death, he has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he wants for your life. But Jesus came so that you could have life in all of its fullness. And he said, in the middle of the waiting season, if you'll just stay focused on me, I'm about to do something. And that is the hope that you can hold on to in the midst of the waiting. Peter's words here, they, they echo the words of Jesus and, and they're a reminder to us that the waiting season, it's a season of preparation. And Jesus is calling us to embrace the season and, and to engage in it by taking action. He says things like, look alive. Pay attention, stay alert. He says, pray for strength. And the reason he's telling us this is so that way we can stand before him on that day when he comes to judge the world and that you and I will be able to receive the reward that is promised, that is set aside for those who are found faithful. Don't get off track. Don't give in to the pleasures and the desires of this world world. Watch out and stay on the course in the middle of the waiting season. So first, the first key to finding hope in the middle of a waiting season is to take note. The second key is to watch out. And the third key is to simply look up. Look up. Let's circle back to verses 27 and 28. Jesus says, then, everybody say then. I like that word. 
It's a good word. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. I like that word then because it signifies that although all these crazy events that are going to take place as the end of time draws near, that that although all of those things are necessary, that they will come to an end. Then is a signal that there's something next or there's something still yet to come. So, So then... Once all of these things have happened, then what's next is going to come. And Jesus says, when when then comes along, it's not the time. It is not the time in the midst of these things to hang our heads or, or to slump our shoulders. Instead, he tells us to look up for our salvation is near. It's just like a parent or a coach would come along a a struggling child who's trying their best in the midst of of competition or trying to master a skill. And and they would say, say, don't be sad. Keep your head up. Keep that chin up. Keep that chest out. It's going to be okay. Don't give up. He's encouraging. He's he's, he's cheering us on because what he knows is that, that looking down, this is the symbol and the posture of defeat. Someone who is lost. It's someone who has thrown in the towel. But yet in the middle of that waiting season, it's important to note that Jesus is calling us to do that which goes against our human nature. That that in the middle of the struggle, in the midst of the waiting, that when things are at their worst and when when the night is at its very darkest, he's saying, don't look down, don't be defeated, don't embrace the defeat, don't embrace the hatred and the the death and, and the hurt and the pain. He said, instead, keep your head up because in that moment, the salvation that is promised you will be closer than it ever has before. There's a reason for us to look up in the middle of a waiting season. You know, for a lot of us, we find that difficult. It it would be easy for, for many of us to look around at the state of our world today and be left feeling hopeless. Even watching the daily news offers little reassurance that things are ever gonna get any better but rather with every episode and every day and every headline and every podcast and every tweet, it seems that things are going to continue to spiral further and further and further out of control. Perhaps you're here this morning and in your personal, your individual life, it's a mirror of the same. All the stuff that's happening in the world is feel like it's happening directly to you. And maybe you're in a season where you found yourself going from one crisis to the next, experiencing one letdown after another. Maybe some of you in this room today, perhaps even watching with us online, maybe you're just barely hanging on by a thread and you're considering throwing in the towel and giving up. 
want to proclaim some scripture over you as we close today. Over all of us for sure, but specifically over those who find themselves hanging in that moment. Teeter-tottering back and forth. Do I hold on or do I just let go? Do I just throw it all away? Paul writes this in his letter to the church in Rome. Chapter 8, beginning with verse 18, he says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Talking about Jesus. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Paul continues with this in Romans 8. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Overwhelming victory. It is not the situation or the circumstance that is going to overwhelm us. It is us who are going to overwhelm it because of the victory that we have been given through Christ Jesus. That means in the waiting season that we are experiencing, perhaps in the midst of health issues or marriage problems or financial woes or fractured relationships. Maybe you're in a waiting season of emotional strain or spiritual doubt. Perhaps it's fear or frustration or struggle or sickness or danger or despair or lack or loss or hurt or helplessness or turmoil or trials. What this is telling me today and what I came to tell you is that no matter what this world brings my way, overwhelming victory is mine because of Christ Jesus and his love for me. And that same victory that is available to me is available to you as well. Overwhelming victory is ours. Our situation may not change, but God is going to change us in spite of it. See, the, the trials and the trappings and the tangle of this world, they're all just temporary. And the day is soon coming when it's all going to pass away. But because of Jesus, 
the best is yet to come. That's the hope of Advent. That's the hope of Advent for somebody this morning. It's an invitation to come and wait. And as we wait to discover that our waiting isn't wasted, but rather to realize that in the midst of the waiting is where God often does some of his greatest, most effective work. I love this quote from Tim Mackey, founder of the Bible Project, one of our Kingdom Builders partners. He says this, biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. And as we wait together, you and I proclaim, even so, come Jesus. Even so, in the midst of all the waiting, in the midst of all the struggle, in the midst of all the doubt and the chaos and the confusion, even so, come Lord Jesus. I wonder, can you say that with me today? Can you say, come Lord Jesus? Like, is that something? Is that, is that a response for you? Are you ready? Are you one of those that are prepared for him to come because make no mistake, he is coming. It may get worse before it gets better, but he's coming. And so you and I, we've got to be ready. If that's you, maybe you need to receive the gift of hope this Advent season. The gift that came in the package of a tiny little baby, but who grew up to be a man who would die on the cross rise from the dead so that we could be forgiven and set free and promised eternal life. If that's you and you've never received that gift today, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. In this house, watching with us online, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.